Open your Bibles with me this morning to the book of Luke, chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. I want to read there uh, through verse 7 and then pray over the word as we go into our, our fourth Sunday of Advent, our last Sunday before Christmas. Luke 2, and starting in verse 1, it said, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it contains in it uh, the promise of the Savior, the account that he came, and the knowledge, Lord, that all those who receive him can be, receive from him the right to be children of God. I thank you that we'll receive from you through your word today. Holy Spirit, uh, illuminate it for us. Shine a light bright on it for us so that we can see you as you are, high and lifted up, our great God and King. In Jesus' name, amen. So you remember Advent, we, we've taken a break from our uh, stretch on a uh, series on the book of Acts. We'll be getting back to that uh, either in late January or February because uh, we've got some other things that we want to cover, need to cover in January. And again, we've got some guests coming as well. Uh, but Advent being the arrival of a notable person. And when we talk about this Advent, we're talking about the coming of Jesus Christ into the world, that he wasn't here and then he was here. And uh, we read in John 1 that he created us and he also came so that all who would receive him would receive from him the right to be children of God, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We, we want to use this time every year to prepare our heart to receive what this holiday is there to give us, which is a better perspective of him. We want to make sure we're approaching it correctly uh, in a healthy way for us. One of those is that we do it unhurried, right? Hopefully you're still fighting against that spirit of hurry or that frantic effort that we can fall into because of feelings of fear, inadequacy, and guilt. We, we looked at that starting at a very personal level uh, in, in week one. And then the next two, we zoomed out and looked at this big picture uh, in John 1, these huge concepts of creation and salvation and the incarnation, just really, really big. Uh, it's kind of like when I think about the earth and how big it is and how many people are on it and how many square miles it contains. It, it just starts to overwhelm my mind. And that's the same thing that we have when we come across these big concepts in John chapter one. It's big and it's awesome that it's big. Uh, and, and at the same time in that I can, as an individual, feel a little bit small and uh, which it's good that we feel small underneath the shadow of a mighty and awesome God. Uh, but I'm still an individual. I'm still a person. I'm still right here. So scripture doesn't just show us the wide view zoomed out. 
like we see in John chapter one. Um, but anyway, we, we began looking at our own heart. We zoom out and look at how big God is and what he's done. And this we're going to zoom right back down uh, close up to us because that's what he does. That's what God does. He's big. He's zoomed out. He's he's week two and three. He's the creator of all things. Without him, nothing that was made was made without him making it. He's the one that holds all things together. And yet we'll see that Jesus, the son incarnate, uh, focuses back in and gives thought and attention to our individual hearts and lives in close up. So a couple of snapshots of what that looks like when it's coming back from big back down to our uh, life lived here on this earth level. We, we remember Mary when she was visited by the angel Gabriel and he told her, he said, you'll conceive and give birth to a son and you'll name him Jesus. He will be great, called son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. That's in Luke one. And then the angel also appeared to Joseph, who was uh, engaged to Mary and said, don't be afraid to take Mary on as your wife. The child that she's conceived is from God. It's done by the work of the Holy Spirit. God has wrought this and worked this. She'll give birth to a son and you'll name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Fulfilling what the prophet spoke, see the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel or God with us. So even in those scenes, you know, they're individuals, they're, they're people right there, but it's a big picture. You're seeing big, big things there said by the angel. And then it zooms on in that while they were in Bethlehem for the senses, the time came for her to give birth. The big promise, looking back at those things that it said about him, that he'll be the son of the most high. He'll have the throne of his father, David, that he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever, that his name will be called Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. The big promise was a little baby. Because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's a big promise, but he's also this little baby. The same one we read about in John 1, that all things were created through him and in him uh, was life and the light of men. That same promise was kicking in the womb of a young woman. The one who would save his people from their sins was a flutter under the hand of Joseph as he'd surely put his hand on her belly while she was carrying that baby. The big promise, the big answer, which perfect promise, perfect answer had come and he came in person. He showed up in person as an individual to redeem real people. You look at where he, where he, where he, where he was first born to this couple. These two took two and made them three, made them a family and not to them only. But in verse eight, it says in the same region, this is Luke two, verse eight, in the same reason shepherds were staying out in the fields, 
keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in the city of David. A savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. So these shepherds, they're out in the field. These aren't high society folks, right? They're out in the field with the sheep. They were a little bit outcast. You think about what you would look like, smell like, appear like when you had been out in the field with the sheep. It left them as a little bit of an outcast amongst the folks in town. Here they are. And then the angels fill the sky and tell them today a savior was born for you unto you this day in the city of David. A savior is born who is Christ the Lord. And when they heard that, it says they ran. They ran. The promise had arrived and he he came for me. Big picture, big promise drilled all the way down to little me out in the field watching the flocks by night. When Christ came, it was big. It is big and it's also extremely personal for us because they go and they find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. These shepherds who had their own names, their own attitudes, their own history, their own background. They also had a savior and they saw him with their eyes and they heard him with their ears. He had come in person to save people at an individual level, at a personal level. And you think about the difference between the big and the personal and the knowledge that it can be both, right? It's, it's like a rock star standing on stage in front of thousands of people in a coliseum saying, we love you, Cleveland. We love you. And then somebody grabbing you by the shoulders and looking you in the eyes and saying, I love you. I love you. And both can, both, both can be true, and in Christ both are true, but you see the difference when I'm just one in the crowd and then when I'm one on one. That He came for you. That's how He came. For, for, for the shepherds, they said this, the angel said, this is good news to all people and also to me specifically, unto me. A savior has been born in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. He became flesh and dwelt among us, right? He moved into the neighborhood. It's what we talked about last week. He came in the likeness of a servant in person to real people with real lives, real needs, real issues. He came for you. He came for all and he came for you. Let's keep on. Let's let's look further down in verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. 
and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. And when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people in Israel. Think about this it, it, older man. He's lived a long life. He's seen a lot of things. And what did it say he was waiting on? The consolation of Israel. God, I've heard your promises and I've seen a lot of things still yet to be fulfilled. You told me I wouldn't die before I saw the Lord's Messiah and I feel like I'm running out of time. And it said the Holy Spirit was on him. God loved him, had had a relationship with him to as much extent as he could at that point. And it said, guided by the spirit, he went to the temple that day. I said, I got something I want to show you. And he goes in and he sees this little couple and they're carrying the baby Jesus, the child Jesus, to perform all the things that were customary under the law. And he took him up in his arms and praised God. Say, now, if I die, I go in complete peace because I have seen your salvation. And he only saw him as as a baby. But look how Simeon approached this. He's like, you came. This is going to be for all people, but I can hold it in my hands. It's personal and individual for me and yet big enough for everybody. Whosoever would come. At the same time, and I won't read it, there was a prophetess named Anna who had been married for seven years and widowed for 84. That's kind of the opposite of what you want it to be, right? Widowed for 84, and she, she served the Lord in the temple with fasting and praying, and she saw the baby. She saw the fulfillment of the promise, and she rejoiced. There's something special when you realize he came that, again, whosoever would receive him would be a child of God, would receive from him the right to be a child of God. And that also in that whosoever is me specifically, personally and individually. He came in person to redeem and comfort real people. And it continued with others throughout his life. You would see Jesus would speak to crowds, but the most powerful accounts we have in the gospel were him with another individual. Was one on one conversations where they would experience and meet Jesus personally. I was reading through. If you keep on in John, you get to when he calls the disciples. Right. Andrew and John, the beloved, are there when Jesus is baptized. And then they start to go and tell the people that they know. Andrew goes to his brother, Peter, and says, you have to come meet this man. And he meets Peter and he changes his name. And then he meets Philip uh, along the way. And Philip was from Bethsaida, where uh, Peter and Andrew were from. And he goes back and he sees Nathaniel sitting underneath a fig tree. Some of you remember this story. And he tells him, come, the one who Moses wrote about, the one we've been waiting on is, is here. And it's Jesus of Nazareth. And he gives the line, you know, what good can come out of Nazareth? 
like really the Messiah is going to be come from, from Nazareth. And Philip tells him, just, just come and see. And as he's coming up to meet Jesus for the first time, Jesus calls out and says, there's a true Israelite, true son of Israel, and there's no deceit in him. And Nathaniel goes, how do you know me? How do you know who I am? And he said, I saw you when before Philip ever called you when you were still sitting underneath the fig tree. And it broke him that Jesus knew him, called him, saw him. And he said, you are the son of God. Again, big enough for the whole world, but knows my name came for me personally and individually. He came in person to redeem and comfort real people. And as we're thinking about this, how does this help me at Christmas? What can I learn and understand from this reminder that he came in person on a personal level, still big, all the people of all the world, whosoever would come, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and yet came in person for you and for me individually. Think about Mary and Joseph. Think about what it would have been like for them. She was a virgin who conceived by the power of the spirit. She said, how's this going to happen? He's like, well, the Lord's going to come upon you. The spirit's going to uh, overshadow you and you will conceive. It's going to be God wrought. She's like, that doesn't really help me understand, but okay. And then she goes from there and she's not married, but yet she's pregnant. And all the things that come along with that. Joseph had to be told by an angel not to put her away quietly so that she wouldn't be dishonored, so that he wouldn't be dishonored. The angel told him, don't be afraid to marry her. So you got two people. And because of the situation that they're the only person we have record of receiving her is Elizabeth. And Joseph. Those are the only ones. There may have been others, but they didn't write about them. And so there's some rejection there and there's some separation. I'm sure there was a little bit of loneliness that came along with being Mary and Joseph during that time. We talked about the shepherds similar and they were outcasts. They wouldn't have been the most trustworthy folks to be around. They wouldn't have been high society. They just worked hard and did what they had to do. And you got somebody like Simeon who's got these long held promises yet hasn't seen them fulfilled, longs for the consolation of Israel. Some things the way that they are and knows that's not the way that they ought to be. And he knows that God has promised better, that God has promised different, that God has promised to move and work on behalf of his people. And yet things are getting worse. And then there was Anna, again, widowed 84 years. Can you imagine the loneliness that comes along with that? The loneliness that would come along with that. He came in person to all of these people. The point of Christmas, and I was having this conversation just the other day, and it struck me brand new. The, the point of Christmas is not to remind us to be happy and enjoy ourselves. If we are happy and we enjoy ourselves, that's, that's awesome. Praise the Lord. But Christmas comes to those who may not be happy, who may be tired, who may be sad who may be lonely and may be hurting. Christmas comes in those tones. That, that's what the first Christmas 
you may be ostracized, downcast, outcast, thought the worst of, older and still hanging on to the promise from way back, yet not seen fulfillment, where there's longing and hoping and enduring and still some hurt there. That was what Christmas began with. Christ came into all of those arenas. He didn't come to the happy and the rejoicing. He came to those who needed to be made joyful. He entered into those spaces. The reminder isn't to be happy. The reminder is that in the midst of all of those things, the Savior of the world came in person for individuals. That he came in person to comfort, to console, to strengthen and sustain and to save us from our sin. To deliver you. To deliver me. Again, Christmas is not all the happy are blessed. Happy or blessed, yeah. But Christmas is, and I love the, uh, the lyric, I was listening to the song yesterday, it was Light of the World by Lauren Daigle. And the lyric in there was, for all who wait, for all who hunger, for all who've prayed, and for all who have wandered off the path, for all of those, behold your King. Behold the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. Just like the angels declared to the shepherds, unto you, this day in the city of David, a Savior is born who is Christ the Lord. It's the same for us today. Unto me, regardless of how it finds me this Christmas, regardless of what's going on, how difficult it's been or how easy it's been, how awesome it's been or how awful it's been or everything in between. Because what you learn is most of our life is mixed with difficulty. Most of our happiness has some sadness mixed into it. It's just there as a part of living this life on this earth. We deal with it and we encounter that. And that's what he entered into. So if it's not all candy canes and lollipops at Christmas, understand that's why Christmas came to enter into our situations, to comfort us and to strengthen us, to console those who mourn to comfort those who weep. He's all of these things. King, Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. Again, very, very big picture of God. And we should have that. We have to have that. But we also have to see that he's for me as an individual. He came in person for me as a person. I'm not just in the crowd in Cleveland here and I love you. I'm the one he grabbed by the shoulders and said, I love you. My love for all these other folks doesn't diminish the fact that I love you. I came in person for you. And I love to look through there and see that the first people that he came to was just this little couple who needed to become a family who had dealt with some things in their life, some disappointments with how people had treated them, some hurts that came from that. They were the first one to see the Word become flesh. 
and dwell among us. And then the next were the shepherds come in from the fields. Wouldn't have been impressive to anybody. Would have maybe been stepped to the other side of the street by most. They smell like the sheep. Right? With Simeon, who was faithful and yet still seeking. Anna, who had been in the temple, but said there's something that still remains. It's not, I, I, I haven't yet been made complete and I'm seeking it. He came to those that were seeking. And they found what they had been looking for. Some of them knew what they were looking for. Some of them didn't. I think they were all a little bit surprised by how he showed up. But he came in person for people. Amen. Unto you, to me, that day in the city of David, Bethlehem, a Savior was born, who is Christ the Lord, big enough for the whole world, personal enough for you as an individual. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reminder. Lord, let us never forget that in the enormity of who you are, the overwhelming status that you hold and you carry with all that you are, that you still approached us in person, on a personal level, that you're big enough to save the whole world. Whosoever would come to you, you're big enough to totem, but yet you give us the right to know you individually. You came for us individually with love and grace and compassion. That the light came into the world not to condemn us, but that through you we might be saved because of your great love for us. That we wouldn't get lost in the crowd in the understanding of that. We see how big you are and you're big enough to tote all of us, but you love me as an individual. And that you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You saw us as we were and you came anyway. You came to those who might have been hurting, might have been lonely, might have been mourning and needing comfort. And you came and provided it perfectly. I thank you that this Christmas we'll see you as that big. And then we'll also see your love for us individually because you've told us that that is the truth and that you're big enough to be both. As we go through this time, I thank you that we'll also not forget to look at others in this same way. It's a big season and there's a lot going on, but you've given us some individuals in our life to love on us and for us to love on them and to engage with those that you've placed around us with the same love and the same grace with which you've loved us. I thank you that you'll use this time, this year, to draw those closer to you who may have wandered away back to the Savior who was born for them, Christ the Lord. I thank you that eyes are going to be open as light shines in the darkness. And Lord, our hearts won't be hurried. Help us to diffuse that stress as it tries to come up and to walk through these coming days with peace that passes all understanding, composure that's undisturbed and eyes that are uh, lit with the joy that comes from knowing you. 
that we'll take our time, just like you took time with us. You took time on this individual level. I thank you that we'll take that time with you. And in that, you'll give us time to take with others. As we leave today, I thank you that we go in peace and unity with each other. Thank you for the body of Christ. Protect us as we go. God, keep us safe. Minister to those who are out from us today, traveling to those who are weak in their body and unable to be here with us today. Heal them and strengthen them in the name of Jesus. Lord, those that are working, that they would not grow weary in doing good and that they know no distance from you, but you're right there to encourage them where they are. And I thank you that they will work in a way that's going to glorify you and point to you as being good. We love you and we thank you today for all that you are, for the big God that you are and that you know our name and you saw us before you called us. In Jesus' name, amen.